This is Mid-Missouri's Total Sports Station, KTGR, and it's time to get big. That was a big-time answer right there. You've got the big show with Andy and Brent serving up sports talk from Mizzou to the pros. And everything in between. Join us now on the KTGR hotline and sound off on today's biggest stories in sports. The big show starts now. You bet it does. Welcome into this Tuesday edition of The Big Show on ESPN 100.5 and 105.1 KTGR, your total sports station in mid-Missouri. Thanks for tuning in online at KTGR.com and on the KTGR app. Tandy Humphrey and Brendan Schaefer here. No producer Chris this week, but we got a lot to talk about and not a whole lot of time to talk about because uh, we'll have to get to the NFL and the national championship last night, and the injury expert Will Carroll talking about some of these football injuries that could affect NFL Wild Card Weekend, and Mizzou men's basketball before they take the floor against Kentucky later on tonight at six o'clock. And pregame begins at five thirty. So uh, one and a half speed today, Brendan. I think is the the key. Yeah. So we've long had like the Matt Michaels special is Mizzou baseball. Wow. Yeah. Um, We've called it the Ricky Horton special when Cardinals interrupts us in the summer. What do we? What's the play here? Who are we? Who are we going I to let you blame decide for basketball? That. Okay, I, I let you do that. It's not. It's not on me. All right. Don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. Um, fair enough. That's know? fair enough. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll get you to uh, Mizzou men's basketball coverage at five thirty. But until then, a lot a lot to get to. Um, we'll get to the good, the bad, and the ugly from the NFL in just a few minutes. If you want to text in your good, bad, and ugly from NFL Week 18. Do that now at 875-KTGR. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show, and comment there. You can also tweet us at KTGR Big Show as well. Now, the Big Show's Big Deal. Well, last night, Michigan winning the national championship game, 34-13. to Washington, well, it sure seemed that their offense had some real issues with uh, with Michigan's really tough defensive front Michael Penix Jr. bit of a rough game but he also kind of got hurt throughout the game and wasn't his normal self Michigan meanwhile ran it up and down the field Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards with two touchdowns in the game and Michigan wins its first title since 1997 and the final Associated Press poll came out the final top 25 rankings for the college football season of course Michigan number one Mizzou checks in at number eight on those final rankings, solid finish uh, for that uh, Missouri Tiger football team after an 11-2 season, a Cotton Bowl championship over Ohio State. Now the offseason officially begins. And that's the Big Show's big deal. On this ninth day of January 2024, 875-KTGR, if you want to give us a call or a text here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll get to some of our thoughts uh, for the national championship. The band, Brendan, it. I was hoping for it to be a little bit closer towards the end, but it just seemed that Michigan, or not Michigan, Washington ran out of gas. I mean, they ran out of gas. They started on empty, however you want to phrase it. The 174 rushing yards for Michigan in the first quarter, that kind of told me the direction this game might be going. There were some plays later on that maybe Washington could have conceivably gotten back into it. I cannot stand referees still. I think some of the, the calls or selective calls by the referees made it a less compelling game, which is the neutral observer of a national championship. You just want to see a good game. And so I would have liked to have seen the, the, the some of the calls go more Washington's way than they did. But at the end of the day, 
Uh, Michigan was just the tougher, better, probably better coach, not to put anything on Kalen DeBoer, who did a great job. But, I mean, Jim Harbaugh had, it feels like, in retrospect, we could have seen this coming the whole way through with what Michigan was able to do this year. And they they, they put on a show last night, um, some real old-school football, running the ball the way they did, and playing hard-nosed defense. Yeah, and really uh, fun to see uh, the end there. And so we'll we'll see what uh, 2024 brings, but Michigan reigns supreme in 2023. But we'll get to more college later. We got to get to this first because it's almost playoff time here. NFL, good, bad, and ugly from week 18. Call or text us with yours, 573-875-KTGR to tell us what you thought was good and bad and ugly from the final weekend of the regular season in the NFL. I will just say uh, the entire Chiefs-Chargers game, probably on the ugly side, no offensive touchdowns. What do you see? Six combined field goals, a 97-yard scoop and score, which was exciting in the moment, but then, you know, everything else. And thank goodness for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything else around a, that one, one moment was kind of, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know that the result of the game didn't matter, but that's a nice little, basically a 14-point swing on one play where you kind of expect the Chargers to walk into the end zone there and the Chiefs picking up the seven points. Uh, turned the game in their favor. It didn't matter, but it was nice to... I don't know. It's still fun to end the regular season on a win, um, even though that game wasn't for anything. I think at one point in time, we thought maybe the no. Chiefs and Chargers would both be in the mix in that week 18. It turns out only the Chiefs. Uh, but yeah, it was it was fine. I don't even know if we have to put them in a category. Uh, it was an ugly game. Good for Blaine Gabbard to get the win with his legs. Like, he didn't throw for much, yeah. but that last drive, the field goal drive, basically won it by scrambling around with a couple of long runs to put him in field goal range. Yeah, I mean, and he got a good moment there, you know, to to lead that final drive and get a game winner towards the end. Not bad for Blaine Gabbard. He did have an interception, but um, and didn't throw all that well in the game. But no, good to at least have the moment for, uh, for, for Blaine Gabbard to get that win. And then across the rest of the league, as far as the meaningful games, I mean, Texans are good. I have to, I have to say it. The, yeah, the who? The what? The, the, oh, the, the Houston, Houston team. That's right. Texans. Yeah. AFC South champions to you. Um, but, I mean. The, no, I don't I don't address them that way. <laughs> you don't? I don't call okay. them by their formal <laughs> title. No. Yeah, I just call them Andy's team. That's all I say. Well, Andy's team wasn't too bad this year. Uh, and they weren't too bad on Saturday against the Colts. Because uh, the end of that game was a little bit questionable, right? With, uh, you know, they decide to go for it in that moment. The Colts do. Um, they they have the play call of to try to throw to uh, the run, the backup running back without Jonathan Taylor out there. Taylor had been running very well despite dealing with some injuries. Still averaged over yeah, six yards game, of carry. Yeah, like, yeah it, was, it was hard to stop him. But then they decided to take him out for probably the biggest play of the game. And look, they, they had him. They had the... The guy opened. It was a first down. All he's got to do is catch it. It wasn't a great throw either from Gardner Benchu. But I wonder what you thought about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't ever like a season especially. much A game is one thing, but a season coming down to it's not your star that you're kind of relying upon to get you whatever it is that you need. The first down, the touchdown, the, the, the game-winning drive. Like, you always want to kind of lean on your studs. 
because I think it's a little easier to stomach if it doesn't go your way, right? You can say, hey, we lost with our best play call. Or we lost with our best. You didn't rely on a, a backup quarterback and a backup running back linking up and executing a play. I would be able to sleep a little easier at night. It's the same thing I said uh, when the Lions had that third two-point conversion attempt a couple of weeks ago against the Cowboys, and, and it was to a backup tight end short of the goal line. Like, that's where you have to sit and go, was this our best option? Maybe not in this case, Andy, but uh, it worked out for your side. That's all I know. I mean, thank goodness, but because it, it was there, it was open, and it was ready to be converted, but it didn't happen, and wasn't in the cards but all in all that uh, was good for the texans good on the texans good on cj stroud because uh, right before that he had to lead a drive that was kind of ridiculous uh, like almost a throwaway from his back foot and then all of a sudden nico collins catches up to it nico collins is in the good 100 percent this week i mean nico <laughs> collins is in the good this year i yeah. mean he's emerged he's a dude you know like when you talk about the alpha wide receivers in the nfl Coming into the season, I don't know if anybody would have looked at the Texans and said they've got one for sure. Uh, they've got one in Nico Collins. And, like, when Tank Dell gets back healthy, he's there, Devontae Smith. Like, they, they've they got something cooking there offensively, Andy. I still think you probably don't have your answer in the run game, but it's it can't be that hard to find a running back, get, get the lineman you want to be able to run block a little more effectively. And this offense very quickly, again, you hit on a quarterback and it makes everything else look easier, look better. They hit on C.J. Stroud, and I think you can give some credit, too, to some of those complimentary pieces that really helped to make Stroud's rookie season what it was. I'm sure he's rookie of the year going away, which is no disrespect to Puka Nakua, who in the final game didn't really matter for the Rams. They were already in, but he basically broke all the rookie receiving records in terms of yards and receptions. Unbelievable what that guy has done in his first yeah. year. He goes in the good as well. He's definitely in the good all season long. Rams uh, still won that game as well and uh, did that on the final drive against the 49ers who weren't all the way trying to win. They didn't but, care. But, uh, yeah. but hey, Rams 10-7. That's, that's Dude, much better that, than what we thought. Can I just tell you how it's better than we thought, I think, and it's frustrating, to be honest with you. Like, I can look and uh, they, they put out the little video from the, the draft process with Puka where Les Need and Sean McVay and, and all the other Rams brass are in the draft room talking about BYU, where do you think BYU is going to go? And that's how they're referring to him. And they're talking him up and they throw in an Alec Ogletree reference. And I'm just like, man, this team is so fun with Cooper Cup and now Puka Nakua. And Stafford's a likable quarterback. It's just so dumb. I know it's been years now, but I, it's sometimes like the alternate reality where I still would have been allowed to root for this team would have been a lot of fun because they've got a lot of fun players and a lot of good personnel. Man, it's just... If they had figured it out first few weeks of the season, then, man, their season could have been something special. 875-KTGR, call or text us with your good, bad, and ugly. And my bad has to be the Eagles. I mean, just awful. You could say ugly. Not I'll just say flat out bad. Uh, they're not a good team right now. I mean, they were a good team. They were playing just about as well as anybody in the NFL. But it's a week-to-week -week league, and week by week, this team has found ways, almost creative ways, to get worse and worse with the same personnel. It's baffling to me. They were down like 24 nothing at one point in this game to the Giants. Yeah, I kind of that Week 18 is one of those where you just kind of look at the games and you go, Giants are going to win this game, aren't they? That's kind of what I thought before the game. It just seemed like one of those situations where the Eagles 
needing it to, to potentially have a chance in the division would fall flat. They didn't control their destiny. They played like they knew it. But who's more, who's in more dire straits right now between the Eagles and the Chiefs in your mind? Oh, um, the Eagles, I think. Yeah, I don't think it's I, close either. Yeah. And we're not, that's not high praise to the Chiefs that we're singing. That's just how bad it's been for Philadelphia. I agree. Right. Yeah. All of a sudden, I I thought it'd be crazy that people would be calling for Nick Sirianni's job at this point. But that that's, Ooh, that's where that's we're at. Fun. That's where we're at. Why right am now. I? Why am I relishing in this? Why am I relishing I'm, this? It yeah, must be because I, I was. It must be because I was right, and the Cowboys won the division. And I said all along that, like, I, I, yeah. I guess I won't say all along. There were points in the in the process where I wanted to jump off board, but I always just kind of felt like the Cowboys had it a little bit more together this year. There were some high profile losses for Dallas early on, but they do seem to have rounded into form. I think they're definitely in a better spot. Than the Eagles right now going into the playoffs, and we'll see what the health ends up being when that inevitable, it feels inevitable, Dallas and San Francisco rematch happens. It could come down to how healthy is San Francisco in that game, and if the answer is 100%, they probably win, but if it's not, it it could change the outcome compared to the first time those two teams played. Give us your good, bad, and ugly from Week 18 in the NFL, 875-KTGR. All right, let's go to David here on the KTGR hotline now. David, what's up? So my good, how about one last swan song for Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, and a stand-up Mike Brable defense? <laughs> yeah. Last win for him before he, before he says goodbye. Oh, uh, wow. I, I had no particular interest in the game one way or the other, but, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes right. I'm good in the, the Oiler Blue get get the win. So they, they can wear it once just because of this. Okay. Well, there you go. I, I think things have gone a little downhill since they decided to make that choice. Appreciate the call, David, here on the Big Show. They did get that win. I was very confident on Friday. I feel good about calling that upset over the Jaguars for the Titans. Not as good feeling about my guy, Mike Rabel. Andy's guy, of course, getting the getting the pink slip today. Definitely not my but, guy. But, uh... No, I know. But, I mean, you can't argue with the Titans' decision. In a year where nobody really thought the Colts were going to vault right away, like they knew, okay, you got Richardson as your quarterback. That's going to help, but it's going to take some time. They they did what they did and had a winning season without Richardson at quarterback for most of the year. And the Texans, you thought, okay, rookie quarterback, you know, it's unfortunate they couldn't get Bryce Young because of what happened at the end of the year last year. Davis Mills kind of cost them that top pick. Texans end up getting their guy at quarterback, and they're in the playoffs. If you're the Titans, you're looking around going, what is going on in this division? How did we end up at the very bottom of it in, like, by a long shot? That's that's why Mike Vrabel gets fired. Yeah, it, it just gone downhill the last few years or so. Okay, fine. David it has his bad and his ugly as well. Okay, what was the bad? <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, yeah, because okay, yeah, y'all just cut me off. Uh, what? The bad is, it's is, funny. I thought you were done. Uh, Sorry. my opinion. Well, actually, my no, bad was going to be from the yard so, so that's fine. But the real bad for me in the Eagles game is that they lost so bad, and then they also, like, put A.J. Brown at risk, and, like, now we don't know what his state's going to be in. It's like that's going to be your number one guy pretty much with Devontae Smith there, too, but – like putting that at risk in a game that you end up getting blown out is not a good look for the Eagles there. So I'll make that the bad. Uh, and then the ugly is that I have to watch a 3.30 p.m. Saturday playoff game 
for like the tenth time that the the Texans have been in the wild card round. That's true. It's always right there. They always do put it there uh, every single well, year. Well, they're not Appreciate very the call, David. You know, you're on the big show. Look, we know. We just don't want you guys to be so clearly obvious about it. Come on, throw us a bone. I think that's that's a fair gripe. That's like me complaining about Mizzou 11 a.m. kickoffs. Yeah. Like. Does it really matter? No, but it would be nice to have it be different every now and again. So I can, I think I can understand your pain as as a Texans fan on that one a little hey, bit. Look, just be glad um, it's not on Peacock, I suppose, like on the streaming only. Dude, just just plug it on the radio again, Andy, because exactly, there are going to yeah. be some Chiefs fans. Oh yeah, who don't even realize that that's going to happen yeah. to them, and they don't have the the subscription. Ninety six seven KCMQ. That's where you listen to Chiefs football on Saturday night at seven o'clock. You don't need Peacock. Just listen on, on KCMQ. It's seriously going to be the best way. Right. And it's, an, it's a win-win because if Kadarius Tony is dropping footballs and stuff. You don't want to see that. Game right. than you want it to be. Just just let them tell you about it. You yeah. don't need to see it with your own eyes. That's, you know what it looks like. <laughs> That's what I always say. Like If you follow, uh, this wouldn't be the case of the Chiefs because the Chiefs are a good team. But if you follow a bad team, just listen to them on radio because you don't have to watch the, the stupidity and the mediocrity all the time, you know? You don't have to start plugging the Cardinal Radio Network yet. Well, well, like, okay, we still well, got some stuff. Okay. <laughs> I'm oh, kidding. Boy. I'm, oh, ki- wow. I'm kidding, but you put that on a tee. Oh. Hey, I think the Cardinals, look, I think the St. Louis Cardinals are going to bounce back this year, but you put that on a tee. Oh, I did. You gave me no choice other than to take a whack at it. Um, we are your so, home for so, Cardinals baseball so as well on KTGR Here, all season long. I'll, I'll segue. I'll, I'll transition okay. us. I want to talk about Matt Prater in the ugly. Did you see? Uh, and this was a game that didn't really end up mattering because the Seahawks, despite winning it, missed out on the playoffs. But Matt Prater, man, he missed two very makeable kicks that could have iced this game and put it away and ends up missing one. Like I think they did the, the announcers jinx the graphics department jinx where they put up on the screen he's 23 of 23 on game winning or go ahead field goals and the whatever and he missed he missed twice Man. to the wide right side my guy tyler lockett with the octopus the touchdown and the two-point conversion on the same drive to win it for seattle sad that they don't get to make the playoffs as a result of that but matt prater i seahawks money line i guess i don't really know what was i don't really know what was going on for the arizona kicker in that one i don't know man it's just fans are happy though because they they vault over the chargers definitively in the draft order maybe both teams looking for a receiver so i cardinals fans don't really care from what i understand but it was very funny that it ended that way for the cardinals in the football arena this year it's it's fascinating uh i i wonder when a kicker decides like do kicks like that start to make them think like, am I, am I long for this still? Like my long for my hmm. career, things like that. Prater's up because there in age too, isn't he? Well, he's never had issues with those kind of. I mean, he's always been very reliable, right? With a with a pretty big leg, right? And he's thirty. Yeah, he's thirty nine years old. It's so interesting you can go because until you're forty five, you want to as a kicker. Yeah, but. and he's bounced around a little bit now, so it's not like he's been a lifer with the Cardinals. And but but you look at that and you go, man. I'm, could I lose my job just because of that in a game that actually didn't mean anything? If you think ahead to the future seasons, that was that was a rough way to end it for him. But uh, you know, it was a bad season for Arizona. They're going to stick with Kyler, though. I think Andy. Like, I there are several quarterbacks in this draft that you could be looking at if you're in that top five range. 
I, I think even beyond Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, I'm going to be screaming that from the rooftops. I don't think I have any rookie picks in, in Superflex leagues that are going to help me out for fantasy where I could pick him up. But I, I think he's going to be really good wherever he lands. But nevertheless, well, it might Michael be Penix the Cardinals. Too? Just, like, I Mike, mean, well, Michael Penix is interesting. Yeah. I mean, Michigan's defense is not an NFL defense, but Michael Penix, he had some trouble last night. You know, sure, know but if, might not have been all the way healthy. I mean, is he and, a first rounder? And are we comparing him? I don't know about first rounder, and I think we maybe be careful about comparing him to his most recent game. Like he had the game of his life against Texas, and yeah, he did. And then I mean, in this game, yeah, he struggled, but I still think he's a good player. What other? What did other good quarterbacks on. do against Michigan's defense this year? That's kind of what I was fair. So yeah. I, I don't know if it dings him too much. There was one, the one play to Roma Dunze. I know we'll probably talk about it later, but uh, to the right side, he was open. Should have been a walk-in touchdown or at least a first down on that fourth and yeah. seven. And there was a miscommunication there that I could spend an hour kind of diving into because it was interesting and I felt like a turning point of the game. I know this is NFL good, bad, ugly, but it's on the brain. J.J. McCarthy, is he a first-round pick? Ooh. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting one. He's uh, going to fly no. up draft boards. My answer is no, fly but he's going to be drafted somewhere. I think he, I think he might be a first-round pick, late oh, first. Boy. I don't is he going to get the Mac be. Jones treatment? Is that what that is? Yes. I don't know that he should be a first-round pick, but I think it could absolutely happen because when you think about, like, I've seen a lot of folks say, you look at, like, the draft combine season, he's made for that. His skill set's going to, even if it's just meaningless stuff, He's gonna he's gonna be like a darling, I feel like, of that pre draft process. But anyway, a lot of time before we have to get it. What's that? April when the when the draft comes around? Uh, it was just on the yeah. brain. I had to pick. No, your no, brain I on. get it. Yeah. Well, April will be here before you know it. I suppose it gets longer and longer every time that we keep talking about the draft, though. That's the the hard part about it. Every time there's an update, like what happened? There's no there's nothing happening. No, no, don't tell me the combine was different. No, that's not. It's not something happening. Hey, man, some people get really into that stuff. And I know. we end up talking about it every year, even though we kind of uh, do it tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, uh, we do. But uh, give us your good, bad, and ugly from the NFL weekend, 875-KTGR. Uh, call or text us with that. You can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash KTGR Big Show. Well, playoffs just around the corner, of course. There are several injuries to monitor, especially with the uh, the Chiefs and Dolphins game. Who's going to be playing left tackle for the Chiefs this week? That's a huge question mark, and we'll talk with the injury expert, Will Carroll, this uh, perspective on that. All next year on The Big Show. You're listening to The Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Underthenife.substack.com. You can find some great baseball info there. And fanbuzz.com is where you can read his stuff on football injuries. And uh, with this Chiefs-Dolphins game, uh, several injury concerns on both sides to maybe uh, look at, Will. The Chiefs arrested a lot of their guys last week and certainly useful to have a meaningless game against the Chargers so that you didn't have to play too many guys that you'll have to rely upon but they did play Wanya Morris in the game and he left with uh, an apparent concussion so he's in protocol this week and they were already missing a left their starting left tackle and Donovan Smith who's been dealing with a neck injury last few weeks what do you think about the the offensive line situation for the Chiefs as they go up against the Dolphins here yeah, you certainly don't want to be down two guys, and they, they certainly don't want to be down Smith. That neck injury has kept him out, and I think has been one of the limiting factors for Mahomes. You know, that, that blind side might not mean as much for a, just such a mobile quarterback uh, as Mahomes and, and just so athletic. Yeah, watching him the last couple of weeks, he's had to do more of that. 
uh, because Smith hasn't been there. And, and I think it's so valuable. If you go back you know, two years ago when I got a chance to watch him training, he trains for those specific kinds of moves. They look so natural because they're so practiced. Uh, I have a whole chapter on that in the science of football, if anybody wants to pick that up. But uh, obviously, you don't want him having to do that as often as he's had. Uh, you know, they've got to get Rasheed Rice healthy. They hope they get Kadarius Tony healthy. Uh, you know, there are questions about what's going on with Travis Kelsey. I don't think it's a curse, but I do have a question with him sitting out. You know, the, there are a lot of rumors and buzz and certainly reasons that he might step away. Uh, but if he and his brother walk away at the end of this season together, uh, that, would be, that would be really bad for the Chiefs. You just simply can't replace it, let alone, uh, you know, Rice has kind of stepped up this year and shown he can be a guy, but is he a number one? Uh, I think the Chiefs are uh, potentially facing a really interesting offseason. Very well could be. Uh, definitely need some pass catchers. Uh, have to be in that market some way, somehow. And uh, we'll see what they can do against this uh, Dolphins defense this weekend, Will, that, man, has been hit hard with injuries the last few weeks. Of course, Bradley Chubb went down uh, with the ACL. Xavier uh, Howard's been uh, on and off injured uh, all season long, pretty much. I know they signed Justin Houston all of a sudden, former chief, uh, to, to help out with depth this week on the edge rusher side. But, man, there's just a, they're just trying to piece it together with guys having to play a little bit out of position uh, on defense, and it kind of showcased in that Bills game last weekend. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing you have to remember going into the playoffs is we always say like you know twelve and four, twelve and five now, or, or you know you get a team that's ten and seven. The shape of the season and who you have, you know, some teams are late bloomers. They, it takes them a while to figure it out. The, the offense has to gel. The defense has to come together. Uh, sometimes you get injuries like this, and the, the, the Dolphins are just a mess right now. And you know, Chubb is out. Xavier Howard looks like he's going to be out. Jerome Baker is out. Uh, you know, they haven't had Waddle and Mostert, and those were likely uh, just, uh, you know, nothing to really play for, except they had something to play for. Uh, so it's one of those, yeah, we know we're going to the playoffs. How much can we actually get out of it? Uh, it was a competitive game, but how much do those guys make a difference? The difference between being a two seed and a five seed is really big. So, uh, the fact that they were out, I don't think it's entirely that they're, they just had to rest them for the playoffs. Uh, the dolphins are in a bad place with injuries right now. Uh, they haven't had a lot of injuries this season. They've mostly been healthy. Uh, yeah, but the ones they've had have been at the wrong times and at the wrong positions. And Will, on the other side of the bracket, for the Lions, they had a game where, yeah, they were plating for their seeding as well. Ended up working out in their favor, but they lose Sam Laporta in the process. He's pretty important to that offense. What do you make of his injury and how quickly he might be able to rejoin the team? Yeah, it's it's a little better than they had uh, thought. Uh, you know, he hyperextended the knee, and they're saying it's a bone bruise. Usually when you say that, there's some meniscus involvement just because it almost has to, given the placement. But the ligaments are more or less intact. There might be a sprain there to one or more of those, but it's low grade. Uh, so they're hopeful that he's going to play it. Certainly Dan Campbell, it's going to be interesting because, you know, Campbell was – uh, a tight end himself, uh, both, at, both at A&M and at the Lions and other places in the NFL. Uh, and he was always a bit bonkers. He's still quite a bit bonkers. And you know, that kind of intensity, I'll say, 
can trickle down, and usually it's good, but sometimes it's bad, especially for guys they feel like they understand. Laporta has been an absolute breakout, and Campbell and the rest of the staff has been a part of that. But I'm curious to see whether he puts more pressure on him. He's a guy who's you know very us against the world. We have to do everything. Uh, you know that we all remember the, those ankle biter statements that he made, uh, and he is that kind of old school coach, and that can sometimes work against a guy who has physical limitations that maybe shouldn't play, that he tries to push through it and ends up either hurting himself more or playing when really the second team guy is better than him. I think the Lions have done a great job. They did a great job drafting Laporta. They traded away Hawkinson and got some pieces and parts that have helped them really step up. And so I think they're going to have what what amounts to a really, really interesting game uh, and a trade that got both teams there, really. Will Carroll, the injury expert, with us on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. Yeah, definitely looking at that one as one of the interesting games in the NFC. And also, Eagles and Buccaneers. Of course, the Eagles, about a month ago, you you didn't have too much worry about them. They were one of the better teams in the NFL, but certainly not uh, viewed that way now. And uh, they're going to take on uh, the Buccaneers on the road, uh, who who won the NFC South, the worst division in the NFL. But uh, even this Eagles team that has a whole lot more talent, there's no guarantee that they'll go and win that game, especially if Jalen Hurts is not 100%. And it sure seems with the finger injury he's dealing with, there might be a question there, Will. What do you kind of read in that situation? Yeah, he has a soft tissue injury. Uh, You know, it looked like a dislocation uh, at first, and those are painful, but usually not long-term. This is a soft tissue injury, so it might actually be a longer-term problem. Uh, What they've got to do is figure out a way to stabilize that finger without compromising his grip. Uh, He's such a running quarterback that you almost have to think like him as a running back. You have to have that grip. Uh, That's why Jonathan Taylor was out for several weeks after his thumb injury. You see a lot of guys with finger and thumb injuries just can't come back quickly because you can't hold the ball. Those guys are punching. They're ripping. They're pulling your fingers back. It It is ugly and nasty when you get down in those piles. So with Hertz, if he doesn't have his full grip, first to affect that. Second, uh, you know it's going to affect how he handles the ball, and that's always uh, a big concern. Yeah, for sure, and we'll be watching that very closely uh, during their playoff game on Monday night. Steelers clinched their spot into the playoffs uh, at the very last minute, Will, but it did come at a price as T.J. Watt, their outstanding defender, uh, had a sprained MCL in the game, and uh, I believe he's being ruled out uh, right away this week. But just a a huge blow to a team like the Steelers who who snuck their way in, wanted to try and uh, give their fighting chance in, in their next game, and it looks like they're... Their best defender won't be out there. Yeah, exactly. He's got he's got an MCL sprain. It's not uh, completely ruptured, uh, but it's one of those situations where he's he's just simply not going to be able to play. And he's probably out through the course of the playoffs, however long that is. Uh, for the Steelers, and without him, it might be very, very short. Uh, it was just unfortunate he slipped. Uh, you know, you, you take a look at that turf, how wet it was. Uh, the fact that it is uh, a grass stadium, so uh, you can't blame the turf on that one. But it, an unfortunate step, it slipped, uh, it rolled over on him, and, and the MCL is the uh, one that keeps it from bending inward and uh, pretty significant damage there. So there's no way Watt's going to play this week, uh, even the next couple weeks. Because he told me he couldn't play until the Super Bowl, I would believe it, uh, but I wouldn't believe that the Steelers would be there without him. 
yeah, I can't imagine the Steelers will probably be there anyway, but that is a, a probably a tough blow for Pittsburgh. Will, I wanted to ask you about some baseball thoughts here because the Cardinals made news this week by officially announcing Heim Bloom as an advisor, something that we maybe thought could be in the offing. But what do you make of this move for a Cardinals team that has struggled with developing pitchers and bringing in a guy who's had a lot of success with that? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how this is going to go. You know, there are a lot of special assistants and special advisors in baseball, and sometimes it's just a ceremonial position. You know, it's an ex-player or something. Uh, but, you know, down in Houston, Jeff Bagwell has that title, and he's virtually running the franchise at this stage. So, yeah, Haim's not going to do nothing. Um, he's going to come in and have a unique viewpoint. He's had a lot of success uh, when he was in Tampa. He, he was uh, in scouting down there, so I think he'll have uh, some some insight into that uh obviously his years in boston weren't as successful as everybody hoped uh but now that we see that boston just isn't going to spend money i think people are, are reassessing what he was able to do there uh and and a lot of guys come out of those experiences better off so i think a lot of people have said this feels like you know they're setting up for a succession uh you know Hans young uh god i remember him in college so uh, now I feel really, really old. Um, but Mo and Mike aren't that old. You know, Mo's in his early fifties. Uh, Mike's lower than that. So I don't think this is a pure succession thing. It just feels like it because because Mozeliak's been there forever. So uh, I think he'll have some unique insights. I think he can certainly add to that staff or any staff. Uh, so it, it's good for the Cardinals, a team that's really in transition. Yeah, certainly need to uh, get get the pitching restaff. They've done their work in the off season to try and make that happen, and yeah. we'll see what it looks like uh, going forward uh, with with Heim Bloom joining the fold. Uh, what's new at Under the Knife and Fan Buzz these days, Will? Well, at Under the Knife, uh, obviously we've uh, had a lot of pitching uh, to deal with, and I had a really unique chance to take a look at both the mechanics and the physicality of Yashinobu Yamamoto, who needs uh, a nickname really, really bad, because uh, that's a mouthful. So uh, just one of the more unique deliveries, one of the more unique physicalities, uh, and certainly the Dodgers paid a ton of money for him, and not a lot of American people have seen him pitch. Uh, so uh, take a look at that. It's free uh, at underthenife.substack.com. It shows you why he's been so successful and why I think he's an instant ace. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to watch come uh, this season. Looking forward to that. So go check it out, underthenife.substack.com for Will Carroll's insights on Major League Baseball and also fanbuzz.com to read info on football injuries as the NFL playoffs get started this weekend. Will, thanks so much for coming on the Big Show. KTGR, as always, hope all is well. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, bye, boys. Big Show's on at 440, KTGR and KTGR.com. Yeah, news came out. Yesterday about Heimblum, and going to be very interesting how that affects things with how the Cardinals do their business, got to say. I think it's already been affecting things. Maybe we only just found out about it, Andy, but you can look at a number of the pitchers they brought in, guys from Boston, the trade with Tampa, and even Riley O'Brien, the the guy they picked up from the Mariners, was actually drafted by the Rays when Heimblum was in Tampa Bay. So, Advising on the pitching side is certainly something the Cardinals could use, but I don't know about, you know, as far as the future goes, like Mosellock, maybe not that old, but we kind of do get the sense that he's going to be out the door within the next two years when his contract runs out. That was from him basically directly last spring training. 
as being the plan, not like he's going to get fired, but I think he's kind of looking toward that succession plan. So I'd throw Heim Bloom's name on that list, along with like Randy Flores, Mike Gersh, to potentially succeed Mo. Not just yet. They got to fix what happened last year first, but it is definitely very much an interesting hire, Andy. Yeah, it was uh, one that certainly opened up some eyeballs. And, and look, we knew it was kind of happening, but uh, the Cardinals made it official yesterday, and we'll see what the future holds uh, for the Cardinals front office over the next couple of years. All right, under the bus coming up next. Boy, a college football national reporter had some strong words and and kind of threw a whole program under the bus because of it. That's next after this live local sports center. You're listening to the Big Show Podcast on KTGR.com. Well, under the bus coming up in just a little bit, as well as the sweetest thing in sports. And we'll talk uh, all things national championship at 5.05. We'll also talk some Mizzou hoops as they get set for Kentucky tonight. 5.30, we'll get out of here as pregame coverage begins for that and then tip off at 6 o'clock, 875-KTGR, if you want to join us here on the show with Andy and Brendan. And uh, also a, uh, a reminder that this weekend... Cardinals Caravan is back in mid-Missouri. That's going to be exciting. Uh, once again, uh, back this year, and it's always a great event. They'll have uh, an event down in Jefferson City on Friday night at 6 o'clock at the Missouri Farm Bureau Center, and uh, also an event right before the Mizzou Hoops game at Mizzou Arena at 1 o'clock. So if you have a ticket to the Mizzou game, you can uh, go and check out the Cardinals Caravan. You're going to get a chance to see Lars Newt Bar. That's a whole lot of fun. If uh, you've ever been a Cardinals caravan, it's about the personalities, and there ain't better ones than Lars Newpar there in the single. It's hard to beat Brandon. an international <laughs> right? superstar. Come I on. mean, come on now, come folks. Come on. It's going to be in town, so go get your chance to see him, as well as uh, Matthew Libertor, uh, John King, and Michael Ciani will be on hand, and uh, voice of the Cardinals, John Rooney, will also uh, be around, and we might get a chance to to hear from John Rooney later on this week on the show. So looking forward to that as well. So again, uh, Cardinals Caravan, get all the details at KTGR.com. Uh, uh, always great uh, to be a part of that event every single year. So KTGR.com, go and check out where you can find your tickets uh, for Mizzou uh, men's basketball so you can see the Cardinals Caravan in Columbia. It's time to go under the bus on the big show. This was kind of an evisceration by Brett McMurphy, uh, one of our favorite reporters, right, from uh, from the Action Network. We love him. Isn't that right? That's right. I think so. Well, uh, he was writing his piece about you know, Michigan winning the national championship. And, of course, there's the question, well, how legitimate is the championship for Michigan? With all the sign-stealing allegations and, and things like that. Well, Brett McMurphy, in his piece, he talking with you know one person from alabama and an industry another industry source as he claimed it and said hey look basically what they were saying was that everybody's cheating everybody everybody does something that breaks the rules uh, from his story quote added an industry source kansas cheats more than anyone and they didn't do anything to kansas the only pure thing in college athletics is vanderbilt and vanderbilt sucks <laughs> so, and then McMurphy tags that uh, quote there with that's where college athletics is in 2024. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, or you're Vanderbilt. Whoa, yeah, man. Hey, hold on. Vanderbilt now. I mean, are we wrong? Straight. No, he's not wrong. I, like, I, get I think it. that's about proper. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Um, 
But man, poor Vanderbilt. Sorry, just under well, the bus. You know, you catch they've a stray. Got like, they've got like mansions and stuff around the country. It's fine. It'll oh. be fine. Well, match. Uh, Mansions are essentially their campus, so I mean they've got that, they've got that. They've going got them forward, on the very campus, I yep. suppose. Under the bus to NRG Stadium. Well, the place where the national championship was held in Houston, Texas. It was raining like crazy down there yesterday, and as a result, the roof was leaking before the game, which you never want to see. Come on, uh, Houston. I think it was right around the uh, the Washington bench was the main problem area for that. They. I think they eventually got it fixed up before the game started. That was a little bit of a talking point that you don't want to have in the national championship game. I'm looking at you, Harbaugh. I'm looking at you, my friend. Oh, wait a minute. What? You said it was on the Washington bench, so I'm just thinking maybe Harbaugh might have have had a Connor Stallions there making some some weather happen. I don't know. Open up a a, a leaky roof. Anything's possible with this guy. Nothing he won't do to win. Under the bus. Do you see the tw- the gift that Connor Stallions tweeted out? Also, it was like some guy in the stands celebrating. It was like a random gift. It wasn't him. Like somebody with like a thumbs up from the stands right after Michigan won. Ah, I know you're. He's so happy allowed to be a fan. I understand that. But man, <laughs> maybe it's not looking great for Michigan for this guy to keep talking. I suppose I don't. I don't know if it doesn't matter. That. They got away with it. They got away with it. They got away with it. They uh, won the title. All Nothing right. matters anymore. Well. There is that. And uh, also under the bus to Mike Rabel. He did not get away. No, from, uh, he didn't get away with it. From this nope. uh, terrible season the Titans had. Look, they finished strong. Uh, got a win over the Jaguars, over a division rival. You spoil their season. It was a fun finish, and I thought maybe, just maybe, it was going to save Mike Rabel's job for the moment. But no, I could have seen this coming. Um, I don't think he's one of the best coaches ever like people keep That's, saying that he is you, try like, again you could you could be a little more firm in your what? criticism like you you've been what? you've said worse you have said much worse than that about Mike Rabel I don't think he's I just one of the think best he's overrated ever. like uh, look I understand that like that there are as far as the coaching market right now for available coaches he's going to be one of the more sought after ones he would uh, be the Patriots coach you wait and see it, it's not a high bar to clear to go out and find head coach. I mean, sure, it's a great fit. Like, he used to be a Patriot. Maybe he can make it happen. I don't know. It's a big rebuild job, and I don't know if Mike Rabel's good enough to do that. Just saying. I think he's a pretty good coach. He, like, when they start throwing Dan Quinn's name around again as, as being on these hot boards, give me a break. I'd much rather have somebody like Rabel. Ooh. You sure about that? I am positive. Sure? Dan Quinn? Dan Quinn, we're going to try Rabel? that again? Come on. Mike Vrabel's Mike Vrabel's uh, Mike he's, Vrabel, he's a good coach. He's still a good coach. Uh, no, I He's not a great coach, he's a good coach. But we kept we treat him like he's top ten. I think that's what we do. And, and I, I just, understand. I call because, out that nonsense. Like, come on. Yeah. It's not. It, it's just, it's the same as my argument with about Josh Allen, which was like the way we talk about his turnovers was disproportionate to like, okay, other guys turn the ball over too. You're saying we give Vrabel so much praise it's become like its own its own kind of narrative that maybe out outweighs what he's actually done which i could i could say it's probably disproportionate praise and nobody's praising him right now though because he just got he's got fired well look and uh, i expect that he'll not be a coordinator again he'll be a head coach somewhere most likely new england i think so like yeah. so, so it's not like he doesn't deserve to be a head coach somewhere but like i don't know wasn't too impressive what he did in tennessee gonna be honest with you
under the bus. It is what have you done for me lately, too. So, and, and lately... Well, you, ne- yeah. you never were the biggest fan of his, so well, I, that's fine. I, I, but, but I was kind of souring on him during this little downturn, right? And everyone was still kind of hunky-dory about it. So I was calling it how it is. That's all I'm doing. No, I think you got that one. And you also, like, we didn't talk about it yet, but your Packers made the playoffs. So, I mean... That was one that I think you abandoned midstream. Well, I abandoned them. When he, I I called the them division winners. I that's true. Yeah, the, I abandoned that pretty quickly. But no, I I I thought they would do that exact same thing. Like uh, towards the end of the season, they start to get this belief in themselves. They figure it out. I believe Matt Lafour he still has never lost in the month of December. So I mean, it's, it's just what they do. It's time for the sweetest thing in sports. On the big show. Sweetest thing is with our friends at the Candy Factory. Any time of year is a good time to get delicious handmade chocolates and candies. And the Candy Factory in downtown Columbia celebrate those January birthdays. Online at thecandyfactoryonline.com. Congrats to Mizzou Gymnastics. An excellent start to the season for them. They had their Mizzou Invitational. They scored over a 197. And the road to Nationals, I believe the National uh, Gymnastics Outlet, Ranks all the teams. Mizzou comes in as the number three team in the country on those rankings. How about that? My goodness, that's quite the start for Mizzou Gymnastics. Pretty good. Pretty good gymnastics school. I've always said it. Well, yeah. I mean, definitely now with Shannon Welker's group and how they've built year after year with that program. They're number three. Mizzou Wrestling's number two. I believe they're in action right now against uh, Stanford. Don't know how that's going yet, but uh, good times. Wrestling school. Gymnastics school. Is it a basketball school, though? Uh, I don't know. Possibly. Maybe in the future. Right now, though. (laughs) We'll talk some Mizzou hoops coming up next. And also about Michigan winning the national championship. What are your thoughts? Is it legitimate? Do you think it is? We'll talk about that next on the big show.